Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, this is Bachelor Clues from Game of Roses, of course, and I want to talk about Club Med. Everybody knows Club Med has been the pioneer of the all-inclusive resort since 1950 with almost 70 resorts worldwide, ranging from beachside destinations in the Caribbean and Mexico to exotic locations like the Maldives and Morocco, or even the mountain destinations like Japan and the European Alps. Dine on delicious gourmet cuisine, enjoy more than 20 activities, and make memories with your family. For more information, visit clubmed.us or call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor. Hello and welcome back to Travel Talks, episode 39. Alex and I are back with another little challenge on our hands. uh, Because this week... Based on what's going on in the world right now, we're sticking with relevancy. We're talking yep. about the Olympics, but similar to the Euros, we're not talking about sports. We're not talking about, you know, rowing and cycling. <laughs> we're talking about holiday destinations based on the Olympics. So how are we going to do that, Alex? What's the format? So what we've done is we've gone away and created some different categories. So like we say, forget the sports. This is all about different holiday categories. So the first one's budget travel. Then we've got luxury travel. Then we've got activity holidays beach holidays and nightlife as well as a few more that i just forgot food (laughs) history and culture so there's loads and loads to get through and we're going to award medals for different countries based on all of the things that they bring forward yeah and so that's you know simple medal format bronze silver gold based on you know who we think and you know we have to address the elephant in the room early doors because there are so many countries in the Olympics, like basically yeah. all of them. I think you were surprised, weren't you? <laughs> I actually was. I was so ignorant. I was like, what is it, like 20 countries? No, there's hundreds. Um, so we've had to kind of be sensible and, and narrow it down to a short list uh, for bronze, silver and gold. And then we need to kind of deliberate between the two of us on who gets you know, the top awards. But before Sweet. we get to that, should we have a look back at some, some recent comments and poll results? Because we've been pretty active and so are yes. the listeners. Yeah, we've been putting so many things out on Instagram over the week. Our last episode was the six must-visit destinations. So we've posted each of them out on Instagram and you guys have been leaving all of your comments. So those were six destinations that people never heard of. And I think we were fair to assume that there was some surprise with the locations. People hadn't heard of them, mm, so we did our job yeah, there. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's what we like to see. Um, yeah, a few, few comments from that. So we had... Uh, uh, I'm going to say Angel Gracida. Gracida. Nice, Gracida. nice. Uh, Nailed it. They, uh, on, on whether they would visit the... Uh, you have to help me the pronunciation. I forgot, <laughs> didn't they? Zangziage. Zangziage National Forest Park. Uh, they said, yes, why not? It looks like an incredible place. Completely agree. Um, we asked on Instagram polls, would, would you visit that location if you were planning a trip to China? And it was a pretty, you know, landslide reaction, wasn't it? Yeah, I've never seen one of our polls be this conclusive one way or another. Usually there's a couple of votes which leak in the other side, but this was 100%. Every single person that voted on that poll said yes, they would visit that place, which, yeah, it's it's an overwhelming victory. It is breathtaking the way it looks, but at the same time, maybe 
they need to listen to the podcast again to yeah. see how busy it can be. And, and also, yeah, if you're yeah, afraid yeah. of heights, maybe that would knock a few percent off. <laughs> True. There was another comment, mate, on our post about Lake Orid or Orid, just the place in North Macedonia that you suggested. And it said, it looks very amazing, like an old town with mountains and plants, a nice place to keep calm. So if you haven't seen what Orid looks like, make sure to go over to our Instagram account. Look at that photo because it looks breathtaking. There's this house on the lake and in the background, the mountains, you, I've just never seen anything like it. I agree. Like like I said in the podcast, I'm 100% looking to go there. Like I'm going to see <laughs> yeah, how I can do reason. it. When's feasible? Don't know if it'll be this season or next season. Well, we'll have to see, but I, I'm in. Mm. North Macedonia, welcome me. I had a look, mate. I had a look because obviously booking up summer holidays or a holiday in September. And I thought, I'll have a look just in case because it did look awesome. And there weren't any direct flights at the time, which did put me off in a real world example but it does look awesome so maybe when there are more flights in the sky you'd be able to get yourself a direct flight also something else i wanted to pick up on was uh credit to you for this because this was all you (laughs) and the post you put out where people use kind of their birthdays to figure out where they'd be going how they'd be getting there and how much budget they had on their phone battery loved that that was and it went down (laughs) really well i think that was really good but what were some of the results yeah, we had some really funny results. So Ben Sparshot said he's going to Northern Ireland on a banana boat. Tall Paul H is going to run to Italy. Friend of the show, Nicola Kostic, has to drive from Bali to Japan by car somehow. <laughs> Socrates Constantine... Oh, man, I nearly did it. Socrates Constantine Danides. Constantine uh, Yeah, smashed it. Uh, Thailand on a snowboard with £20 daily budget. So straight away, the only thing I'm picking up on there, you've got to charge your phone, mate. 20 quid. (laughs) 20 quid. Living on 20% battery life. Dangerous. Playing with fire. Playing with fire. Um, I did it myself. It was quite... And I got Spain on a banana boat with £72 per day budget, which, tell me if I'm wrong, is that not your dream? It's pretty much my dream, mate. I love a banana boat. Like you picked up on, though, when we did this uh, conversation a little while back, might be a little bit seasick by the time I arrive, but <laughs> <laughs> what a trip that would be. I don't think that's the only part of your body that will be in pain, let's be honest. When I did it, mate, I came up with Bulgaria on a tuk-tuk with £84 per day. So feasible, but would take absolutely ages, let's be honest. And that's going to be a nice segue because Bulgaria comes up very, very shortly. But just to touch on, uh, that post is still live. You can go over to the Instagram and have a look yourself, take on the challenge and see... Uh, what you end up with and let us know by comment. Hey everyone, I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash boast. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Kara Berry, host of Everyone's Business But Mine, and I am an all-inclusive addict. 
Enter Club Med, the best all-inclusive for you and your family. With resorts worldwide from their family flagship resort, Club Med Punta Cana, to their only mountain resort in Canada, Club Med Quebec, they have everything you need to relax with their 20-plus sports activities, wellness programs. You can dine on delicious cuisine and make memories with your family. So book your next getaway with Club Med. Visit clubmed.us or call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor. Now imagine going anywhere in the world where you can go for a month, everything included, and not break a thousand pounds. You get a private villa which is in the middle of the ocean, but it will cost you nine hundred and twelve pounds per night. Wow! <laughs> Big zip lining, you know, white water rafting, paragliding. I could go on. Norway has a lot to offer. Yeah. Please stop me. It looks awesome. <laughs> Bronze, silver, gold. I think out of all the categories we've done so far, arguably this is the most subjective, and I'm almost undecided on where to put each country. Right, mate. So first category, and it's a big one. It's budget travel. This is huge because everybody wants to go to the place that is affordable, right? But you also have to consider where people are coming from because if you start factoring in the flights to this is it fair to say we should take the flight out of the equation here and just go with budget travel once you're there yeah i completely agree we've got listeners from all over the world so we can't be uk biased we have to just think about the country once you arrive how much does it cost to be there so okay so what's first on the list first country is bulgaria when researching this we wanted to make sure we covered the entire world and made a a fair representation of the entire globe and Eastern Europe kept coming up every single time and for good reasons as well. It's very, very cheap. So in this one, we're going to talk about examples. How much does stuff cost? So to stay in a backpacker hostel in a 14-bed mixed room in Bulgaria costs £9.30 per person per night. So very, very cheap, uh, especially for European prices. And that's in a place... Uh, a real world example, the Hive Party Lodge, which is 9.2 rated on Hostel World and is less than one kilometre from the city centre. Mm, decent. Good place to stay. And in terms of meals, now you might not believe this, but the average restaurant main meal in Bulgaria is just coming in at £5.22. That's barely a yeah. coffee in London. Yeah, that's absolutely ridiculous. What can you even get in the UK for £5? An average sandwich. <laughs> At a service yeah, station. honestly, <laughs> go to go to any supermarket and you get a meal deal for like four pounds nowadays. Yeah, absolutely. And then drinks as well. In that same breath, water in a restaurant costs forty p. Cappuccino one pound fifteen. One pound fifteen for a coffee. If you go to Starbucks in England, it's like four pounds easily. And then the big one: how most people judge prices around <laughs> the entire world is the cost of a pint. Saunders, what does a pint cost in Bulgaria? Tell the people. An incredible £1.30. I couldn't believe that. When I saw that, £1.30, and that's in a restaurant. It's not going to a supermarket. £1.30 for a draft pint of local beer in Bulgaria. It's absolutely amazing. And then to get round the country as well, there's loads of good transport links. But on average, for a one-way bus ticket, it costs 70p. That's amazing. That is Bulgaria is a very strong contender here, just straight off the bat. But let's move on to you know our second of three selections before we start assigning the medals, and that is Morocco. We're heading to North Africa. Ooh, nice. Now Morocco is 
as we said, is North Africa, and it's easily one of the cheapest places in Africa and North Africa. Mm. Um, awesome. Traditionally, when you look at charts of where's the cheapest places to go in Africa, Morocco is usually top or one of the top three. But mm. I think that stems into, even though we're not talking about travel, I think that does take into account it's quite easy to travel to from Europe yeah, uh, at low cost flights. with low cost airlines, whereas other places in Africa, you know, it's a kind of a long haul flight or you might have to go via mm. somewhere else so it adds a cost there. But it is still cheaper once you're on the ground. And, you know, let's go through some examples again. Accommodation, the, the standard, you know, unit of measurement for cheap backpacker hostel, somewhere mm. like the Rio Jena Rouge, less than a kilometre from the city centre in uh, Marrakesh, £6.38. Bargain. And that's not just like the cheapest, worst option. That's a 9.7 rated hostel with, over, with almost 1,500 reviews. That's amazing. And also, like, let's talk about as a destination as well. Like it, it's it's budget and affordable, but there's also so much kind of culture in in, yeah. in Morocco. Like even just somewhere like Marrakesh, or um, as a uh, as one example, you know, you've got mm. like the Medina and the markets and the souks and the food, and then you've got the Atlas Mountains. There's activities there. You've even got the Sahara Desert in Morocco as well. So there's so mm. much you can do. Um, I've been there a few times and it always blows my mind. And sometimes you can walk down the streets and you can look around and be like, nothing in my eyeline here has changed in the last hundred years. That's awesome. And That's it's really awesome. cool. It's really cool. Um, yeah, it's very interesting as well. Like it's entertaining. <laughs> I love this then as an example of Morocco because obviously Bulgaria, not many people know about it. And it does look like an awesome country from the research which we've done. But Morocco, everyone knows about Morocco. All of the things you've mentioned there. And it's cheap as well on top of that. So it's a really, really strong contender for that gold medal. Just to fire off a few more stats about cost, uh, food and drink, average cost for a restaurant, main meal, £2.46. Oh, that's half the price, half the price of Bulgaria. Cappuccino, £1.23, and that all-important barometer of a pint. Alex? £2.07. So a little bit more expensive, actually, than Bulgaria, considering that the main meal price was half the price. Pints are more expensive. And then moving on to our final country in this category, it is the backpacker central of Vietnam, a country which you've spoken about a lot on this podcast and for good reason because it's an absolutely amazing country with so much to offer. And of course, everyone knows it's a cheap country. We wanted to pick a Southeast Asian country because, of course, when you think about cheap countries in the entire world, Southeast Asia, we could have probably filled one, two, three with cheap countries. We wanted to touch the entire world and Vietnam is our nomination from Southeast Asia. It was close because we were weighing up Cambodia as well, weren't we? Mm, because, yeah. you know, they're both very cheap countries with so much to offer as holiday destinations. Like I, I've said it numerous times, like you said, I love Vietnam. I spent around about 15 days there and it was amazing. Like I loved every minute and I there's so much unexplored stuff that I need to go back and do. So, yeah, mm. um, it had to be in there as a good destination. But for budget, personal experience, it was amazingly cheap. That's awesome. Uh, I mean, I'm looking at these examples we've pulled out and, you know, they all make sense to me in terms of like standard backpacker hostel, four pounds per person wow. if you're in a dorm. Now, that is, bear in mind, that's an eight bed Incredible. mixed dorm. But even a private room is only double that. So it's still eight pounds for a private room and hostel. Yeah, I think that's what's great as well, because a lot of people who are listening to this might be put off by the idea of a dorm. It's not the way they usually like to travel, but a private room in a hostel. So basically a hotel, eight pounds, which works out as four pounds per person if you split it with someone. So straight away, that's amazing. Yeah, and you've got to bear in mind, it's such a big country as well. So, you know, prices mm. prices will vary based on the big cities and the little towns and things like that. But overall, 
it is even if you want to go for like luxury in my experience even like a nice hotel is so much cheaper than it would be anywhere else in the world um and food and drink wise like that was a bit that surprised me the most you can go and get like a really Mm. nice you know local meal and you're barely breaking two pound yeah the average restaurant main meal we did the research and it came back at one pound 56 so the cheapest we've come across so far i mean I, i used to think when we were out there we had a budget and you can do a month a whole month in somewhere like vietnam um all accommodation, all food, activities, all that included, and not break a thousand pounds. Now imagine going wow, anywhere in incredible. the world where you can go for a month, everything included, and not break a thousand pounds. Yeah, it's impossible. Like even I talked about the idea of booking a holiday this summer. Anywhere I'm looking is easily going to be a thousand pounds for a week. When you yeah. talk about accommodation and food whilst you're out there, easily, easily. And if you say you can do an entire month in Vietnam for that price, there you go, straight away, four times cheaper at least. Now, if you do want to get around the country, there is public transport available. A lot of people do kind of set tour buses or, you know, big company coaches here Mm. and there and things. But um, on a public transport bus, you know, what the locals would be getting, we're talking 22p for a one-way bus ticket. You know, really, really cheap. But even the more, you know, let's say, um, in quotes, luxury travel uh, with Mm. the coaches where you have reclinable seats and air conditioning and stuff like that, you're talking about, you know, four or five quid to get from one city hundreds of miles to the next one you know it's unbelievably cheap to travel around and and to explore so that's why it's on our list now Mm. we have the hard part of awarding them the medal is bronze silver or gold well straight away i think the gold medal has to go to vietnam i know obviously the place it is in the world obviously comes into comes into play but it's just far and away the cheapest i'm not even going to fight you there straight away nice gold medal where do you want to give the bronze medal then now, it's interesting because, you know, they're, B- Bulgaria and Morocco both have a lot going for them um, mm. in terms of, like, you know, accessibility and stuff as well. You think Bulgaria is a good shout. You can ski there as well in the winter. Nice. Um, yeah, it, it may be a little bit less out of people's comfort zone if they wanted to go. But then you think of Morocco and it's just like it, it really feels like you're going further than you are based on the changing mm. culture. So I'd mm. say silver Morocco. I'd agree. I agree. Honestly, the cultural mecca that is Morocco, the fact that you can visit there on such a cheap budget and like you say, it's completely different than anything we know. I would have to give that silver medal to Morocco. So bronze, Bulgaria. So next category, the opposite of affordable travel. We're talking about luxury travel. And this first entry, this first selection is, let's say, a little bit obvious when you come yeah. to luxury travel, you know, that it's a lot, it's on a lot of our timelines, let's be honest. Instagram, you know, we see a lot of people, a lot of influencers go there. We're, of course, talking about Dubai. When you think about luxury, you think about Dubai as the place was literally built for luxury. It, it like, we, like people arc on whenever they talk about reasons they don't like Dubai, perhaps is because it doesn't have too much history and too much culture. That's because this place was born to deliver luxury holidays to people. I've been there a few times and it does tick a lot of boxes for luxury. You've got incredibly mm. nice hotels. I think you're one of the most expensive hotels in the world is there. Um, mm. The Burj Al Arab. You've got, you know, the tallest building in the world in the Burj Khalifa. It's a place that people go, but there's the shopping as well. It's the it's the luxury lifestyle. It's the fast the supercars. It's It literally yeah. is the epitome of luxury travel, isn't it? It really is. It ticks every box, like you say, shopping districts, modern architecture, chic hotels, world-class nightlife, restaurants. You can spend hundreds and thousands of pounds in restaurants, water parks and markets. It kind of is the holiday where you can do anything you want as long as you've got the money to pay for it. Talking about prices, 
yes, you can get an Airbnb. Yes, you can stay in a hotel with a normal sort of, you know, couple hundred pound a night, whatever, or even lower than that, under hundred pound a night. But you can also stay in a hotel that will cost you seven grand a night. One hotel which everyone thinks about in Dubai is the Atlantis Hotel, which is on the Palm, the famous Palm out in the ocean. And it's £250 per night, which I kind of thought was quite reasonable, to be honest. When thinking about Dubai and a premium hotel in Dubai for £250 per night, which actually gives you a king bed with an ocean view, I thought £250 was all right. One thing you can do at the Atlantis Hotel is there's a brunch you can get on a Friday. Mm. I think it's once a month on a Friday the best food experience i've ever had really like imagine it was about four hours long but imagine every single sort of food and drink you could possibly imagine cooked in the best possible way at your disposal all you can eat all you can drink unbelievable it was amazing so up next mate is the is the place which everyone thinks about i kind of think when you think about luxury travel and for good reason it's the go-to honeymoon destination and that place is maldives yeah it had to be on the list isn't it you know you're thinking of the the hotel rooms on the edge of the water kind of opening yeah. the doors out into the sea iconic sand beaches lagoons palm trees you know even getting there is pretty luxury isn't it because a lot of the yeah. places is either a speedboat or a seaplane which is I like the idea of that. It's like James Bond. Yeah, it's it's literally epic from the moment you get there. <laughs> yeah, awesome. And if money is no object, then I've looked into a little place called You and Me by Cocoon Maldives. And basically for this, it's absolutely incredible. You get a private villa, which is in the middle of the ocean with a private pool, panoramic views out to the ocean. But it will cost you £912 per night. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. It's just, yeah difficult to even imagine but it does look awesome to be and th- fair that's not even the most expensive hotel room as well because some of the ones that people get for their honeymoons or you know like the mm. ones you see on instagram they can go up to three grand per night what's that for a week just in hotel fees you're looking twenty one thousand pounds i mean it's, it's expensive but it is luxury it's unparalleled luxury and that's what we're talking about in this category so that's why we've we've nominated it and to complete the list we are going to talk about Bali. Now, I know people think about Bali as a place that anyone can go to because there are very cheap mm. ways of exploring it. But when you think about what is there, you know, luxury does go hand in hand, but it doesn't have to be expensive luxury, but mm. it's still luxurious. Yeah, exactly. I like the idea that we're offering one side of luxury, which is very, very expensive and incredible, and some would say worth the value for money. And then you've got Bali, which offers complete, undeniable value for money. I mean, some of the hotels in Bali that you can stay in are absolutely incredible. So looking into these, we kind of went away and found what is the best hotel in Bali and how much does it cost? Because you can spend anywhere up to £500 per night quite easily. Obviously, in comparison to the Maldives, that's very, very cheap. But, for example, a place called Wapa de Ume Sidamen in Ubud was rated as the third best hotel in Bali by The Telegraph. And it only costs £49 per night. I'll show you some pictures of this place because it looks absolutely amazing. Set in some rice fields. You've got ridiculous views. Incredibly stylish resort built on local materials, local stone, hardwoods. It looks absolutely amazing. That's the sort of thing you get in Bali. Like, I was gutted. I missed out on a whole month there uh because mm. of the pandemic but it's still going to happen eventually hopefully but yeah and also n- not just the mainland bali or uh, you've also got all the islands mm. you can go to you've got all these other little pockets of 
tropical paradise and luxury that you can explore so you don't have to be stuck in one central location you can travel around yeah. but you know this had to be on the list and also i'm glad that we can get indonesia in there because you know probably a lesser talked about country when when thinking about the olympics so we've got our three nominations let's say how are we divvying up the medals here i'm going to go out there and say that regardless of costs for pure out and out mm. luxury maldives yep. has to get the gold I think that's how we have to judge it. Obviously, we're going to be influenced by how much this costs because we're going to think of it in a real-world scenario if we were going to go and how much it would cost us. But purely money aside, what is the best luxury holiday destination in the world? I would say Maldives is number one. Yeah, agreed. Okay, so for silver, I'm leaning towards Bali just because of like mm. you know how versatile it can be, the different sorts of holiday you can get there and because you can get so much luxury for a good price. I think that has to come into the equation. And also, like you say, there's, there, I think there's more to do. Obviously, you can do pretty much anything like we said in Dubai, but I think in terms of culture and using the, the natural landscape of the country in terms of your activities, I think Bali offers more than Dubai in that situation. And then obviously completing the trio is Dubai with the bronze medal. You know, a worthy opponent in, the, in this oh. matchup, Dubai. You're going to be hard set going up against the likes of Maldives and Bali. <laughs> Definitely. And then our next category, mate, activity holidays, something I know you love as well. So finding out who you want to give the gold medal to is going to be interesting in this situation. So the first one that we want to pick up is New Zealand, which you spoke to Nick Cassidy about too. Yes. Oh, my word. I mean, this one is probably the closest you could align with actual Olympic sports, right? you know kayaking yeah. canoeing sailing mountaineering you know climbing there's so much and i honestly think that new zealand is well i don't think it's even controversial to say it it's one of the best places in the world for activity holidays it's the first place i would personally think of if i wanted to do an adrenaline filled holiday i'd say you're literally spoiled for choice with things to do you know the landscape there and also the climate is quite favorable to be able to do activities without it being like stupidly hot or having like loads and loads and loads of rain. Like there is lots you can do. And it, it is just like you said, it is the country for adrenaline sports um, and definitely has to be on this shortlist for uh, activity holidays. For sure. Okay, I'm going to chuck another one forward, mate, into the consideration, and that is USA. And then simply because the size of the country, it has it all. And that's in terms of climate and things to do you can do anywhere from skiing to rock climbing anything you want really you can do in the us yeah i mean it does have a massive advantage on its size and kind of geographical location because mm. you know seasonally there is so much you can do like you said like it, it, there's even occasions where you could if you brave the water you could surf <laughs> in the you could surf in one location drive two hours and then you could ski mm. yeah uh, which is uh, something i love the idea of and you got to think as well the US covers such a variety of things. Like mm. you've got things like the Everglades and the beaches. You've got things like Yosemite in, in California. You think you've got yeah. like the Arizona desert. There's so, there's so much that you can do in those little pockets of geographical marvel, let's say, like landscape wise. Um, mm. It has to be on this list. It really does. It seems unfair, I would say, on the other destinations because it is simply so big. It almost feels like... 10 20 countries in one in terms of the amount of things you can do in one small location almost new zealand is almost far and away the almost the overriding candidate but us 
simply for the amount of things you can do gives it a serious chance of gold my only thing that i would say that has to come into the equation like we mentioned with the size is that if you wanted to do a few of these obviously it's got hawaii grand canyon yosemite it would be near on impossible to do this in one trip so is it unfair to categorize it together because if you wanted to do an adrenaline filled holiday in new zealand arguably you could do more in one trip yeah, that's a really good point and maybe one of the things that keeps it from becoming gold because at the moment it's mm. hard to argue against it, but that is a very yeah. good shout. Do you want to take us on to our next point, mate? Our next country? Yeah, our next and final country in this category. I wanted to give something something in Europe a bit of love. I wanted to put out Norway as a suggestion. Yeah, it's not something I'd heard about, but when we went away and researched it, for activity holidays, it seems absolutely incredible. It's really unique as well, some of the things that you can do there, like in terms of glacier skiing and ice climbing and, mm. and you know, traveling around the fjords via kayak or via boat in the Lofoten Islands, big zip lining, you know, white water rafting, paragliding. I could go on. Norway has a lot to offer. Yeah. Please stop me. It looks awesome. <laughs> Honestly, some of the photos of people zip lining through Trolltunga, which sounds incredible in itself, but also involves a trek, a bike ride. And then at the end of that, that involves that zip wire down through this amazing scenery with trees, the snow. Honestly, you have to see some photos because we couldn't simply do it justice. And there are other places you can do these things I'm about to mention as well. But while talking about Norway, you've got to think about things like uh, snow sledding and dog sledding mm. and the, all the things yeah. you can do that are really kind of winter based, but are mm. incredibly unique. And Norway has so much of that. And under the Northern Lights as well. Oh, amazing. This is going to be tricky because you've got New Zealand, Norway, USA. Now, as much as we loved putting Norway in as an option, as like a really like left field option, I feel like that settles in the bronze position quite easily. I think so. I think it's very, I would, it's harsh to say one dimensional, but it's very winter sports heavy. Yeah, maybe certainly more so than the other two. New Zealand versus USA for activity holiday. <sighs> this is a big final, a big gold medal final here. <laughs> it is, it is. I want to give them both a gold medal, like that um, high jump thing. <laughs> but it's tough. It's tough to make this choice. I personally would edge towards New Zealand simply for the amount of things you can do in one small location. We did say that that could be the edge, and I think you're right. I think when you think about it, it has to be. So I'm going to agree with you. New, Ze New Zealand gold, USA silver, Norway bronze. Sweet. Let's move on to beach holidays. So we've got the adventure holidays for people who want to live outside their comfort zone and take on these epic challenges. But for people who want to lie on a beach, we need to offer a category. So what are we putting first up for the medal? I mean, what you think of when you think of beaches, what I do anyway, mm. I'm putting out Australia. Yeah, has to be in the conversation. Queensland, North Queensland, hundreds of world-class beaches, each offering their own kind of you know, it's different experience. Obviously, within that, you've got the um, Great Barrier Reef. You've got yep. Whitehaven Beach. You've got Whitsunday Islands. You've got Fraser Island. You've got uh, Lady Elliot Island, which just takes like an hour plane ride off the coast of Brisbane and out into the middle of the ocean, which is awesome. There's so much there. Some of the purest sand in the world. Uh, and obviously, as we know, Australia is synonymous with some really typical beach locations like Byron Bay. Yeah like Manly Manly Beach, Bondi Beach in Sydney. That, I mean, for me, I think beach, I think Australia. Yeah, you won't be alone in that. There are other locations which have to join the conversation, though. And one place that I'm going to put forward is the Philippines. Yeah. 
So perhaps not the first place you'd think about, but it has over 7,000 islands dotted around with white sand beaches. And simply think about that from a coastline perspective. 7,000 islands, all with coastline going all the way around. You must have thousands of incredible, beautiful white sand beaches. Yeah, I mean, biodiversity-wise, marine animals on display there. Oh my God, like you could see so much. Snorkeling is next level. Um, and what they're what they're doing actually for conservation out there is really good. So in terms of like snorkeling and scuba diving, you can see some amazing things and be in this incredible landscape with kind of like, you know, sea cliffs hanging off and all this kind of tropical foliage. It's like paradise. You look at a picture, it's like that is paradise. El Nido in Palawan. Mm. That's often dubbed Philippines last frontier. It's definitely one of the best locations for beach lovers in the country. Powder fine beaches gin clear waters but also one of the most famous limestone formations towering cliffs caves waterfalls it just has it all really palawan is on my bucket list i, I want to go there as soon as possible but yeah um philippines definitely needs to be on this list finally i think when you're thinking about beaches and beach destinations it really isn't fair not to sort of bring the caribbean into the equation no oh, definitely definitely we have to include somewhere from the caribbean and from someone who's not been to the Caribbean, it's hard for me to weigh in too strongly on one country over the other. So I think we've got to lean on the research which other people have done in this situation and go away and find out what the best beach in the Caribbean is. Yeah, because you've got the likes of, you know, Barbados, Bahamas, uh, Seychelles, etc. But what came up most prominently, let's say, on, on all the lists and all of the websites we looked at was Turks and Caicos. Turks and Caicos, yeah. Turks and Caicos. You tell me why I'm, why I'm right. You tell me if I'm wrong. <laughs> but yeah, like in terms of looking at pictures of it, it's clear that it has probably some of the planet's most turquoise seas and the beautiful like powdery white sand beaches. And I didn't know this, but one fact that popped up is it's surrounded by the globe's third largest coral reef. That really surprises me. Yeah, it's a seriously strong contender. And I like that we've gone a little bit left field and let other people crown the best beach in the um, Caribbean and then that's the one we're putting forward because it makes sense okay medals talk to me I think for me it's a toss up between the Philippines and Australia for gold silver yeah I agree and I've before talking it through I was pretty set on Australia getting gold but you Mm. know thinking about the Philippines and what it has to offer and how interesting that is I, you know I think what? because the fact that there's 7,000 islands, right, the amount of hidden beaches, hidden gem beaches that are going to be secluded, private, and offer some <sighs> complete tranquil escapes, I think you're going to get more of those in the Philippines than you are in Australia. Obviously, you've got the amazing beaches like Byron Bay, like you mentioned, the Great Barrier Reef, of course, but they're going to be quite congested in comparison to the Philippines. Yeah, that's true. Oh, yeah, that's true. Congestion is true. But then also, there's probably more to do on the Australian beaches. Mm, mm. You know, in terms of, you know, there's festivals at Byron Bay, for example. There's a lot of partying, mm. there's a lot of restaurants and nightclubs. And in terms of an all-round package holiday, you might get more to... You'll have more to do in Australia yeah. than you will in the Philippines. But if we're just talking about beaches and water, and Philippines might edge it. I'm, I'm still going to stick with my suggestion, Australia gold... Philippine silver and then Turks and Caicos bronze. I think it's very, very fair. And what a category as well. Like, if you're a beach lover out there, there are some suggestions. When the world opens back up completely, Australia, Philippines, Turks and Caicos, perhaps a one, two, three of where you should visit. 
Uh, okay, moving on. Nightlife, really important for a lot of people, uh, travel choices and destination yeah. choices. And we have three very strong contenders here. Can you kick us off? The first one is a massive favourite going into this competition, and it's Las Vegas in the US. Well, I say Las Vegas. Let's just broaden it up. It has to be USA, doesn't it? Because they're yeah. competing in this competition. Honestly, if you've been to Las Vegas, you can do anything at any time. They create this environment inside the casinos with no windows, where basically they want you to forget what time it is. And it works as well. It really does. Like Honestly, time is irrelevant in Vegas. Like, And they pump oxygen into the hotels as well, so you never yeah. really feel tired. Yeah. Um, which is, yeah, it's only when you leave the environment of a <laughs> freshly oxygenated hotel room that you're like, oh my God, I'm so hungover. <laughs> but yeah, no, I completely agree. And like Vegas pretty much does it on itself, but you've got to think about other things within the US just to kind of even strengthen their argument further. New York mm. City, you know, by definition, the city that never sleeps, great nightlife. New Orleans, Mardi Gras, oh. you know, the music scene there, you know, Tennessee, Nashville, you know, there it's in terms of, different types of nightlife the usa yeah, yeah. covers you know pretty great great deal and because of the cultural kind of um inspiration from people that come from latin america there as well you've yeah. got a real buzz of different sort of things so yeah usa what a contender already it's so strong isn't it usa it's going to be hard to beat i want to throw a suggestion out there because we haven't given that much love to south america in this no we haven't this it's, kind it's of category said. so far so I want to throw out there Argentina because it is largely known as the nightlife capital of South America. Okay, nice. Um, I mean, in terms of like things like tango clubs, modern you know DJ clubs, modern music clubs, there's so much going on. You've got three main places: Recoleta, Puerto Moderno, and Palermo. Massive party scenes there. You know, in terms of nightlife, you can go all night long because a lot of the clubs have 24-hour licenses. So you're not getting kicked out at 3 a.m. It honestly is a definition of partying from sunset to sunrise. It sounds absolutely incredible. We had to include somewhere from South America because obviously when you think about South America, almost I personally thought about Brazil and the carnival, but it sounds like Argentina, Buenos Aires almost has more to offer than Brazil in terms of party scene. And that's saying something. I think it's more like every day. Yeah. Whereas you know, Brazil, obviously Rio has an amazing nightlife, lots going on. But, uh, you know, when you think about it, we kind of talked about this before, didn't we? When we think about Rio, you kind of think about these moments that are kind of like a handful of days in the year. Yeah. Whereas, like, you know, from what we've researched, Buenos Aires has just got so much going on every day of the year almost. Seriously strong contender. And then the final one that we have to put forward, almost the party capital of Asia, is Thailand. Yeah, I mean, those party islands, Copenhagen, Koh Samui, Koh Phi <laughs> I mean... Jesus the choice are, the choice they are big for nightlife you know it's on a lot of a lot of young people coming out of school and university and college whatever it's mm. on their list to go it was me I did it yeah. uh, great speaking of experience those are some of the biggest nights I've ever had in my life nice um so it has to be on there and it's just because of the locations you're in as well you're doing all this cool stuff but on really tropical beach islands and even mm. if you're not talking about the islands Bangkok was the yeah. first night out i had in thailand and it was crazy i think also because you're surrounded by such like-minded people from all over the world who all want to have a good time all want to party it's a seriously seriously strong contender and i'm interested to see as someone who spent a lot of time in thailand where you'd put it as bronze silver and gold yeah i mean let's kind of also address that it's so easy to bring in european 
countries into this. Like we could have mm. talked about Spain, including Ibiza, Amsterdam, uh, you yeah. know, Germany, Paris, France, yeah, whatever. Berlin. All of these things we could have talked about. But the reason that Thailand's got this kind of third spot is because of the party islands, but also because it's so popular because it's accessible. Whereas a lot of like the bigger clubs in Germany, like sometimes you can't even get oh, in them. Not accessible in the same way as Thailand, that's for sure. Yeah. So in terms of just initial thinking for medal awarding, I want to say, I mean, USA, uh, it just walks into gold for me because this yeah, is, completely. I mean, it's, there's so much, there's so much. Um, and as much as South America is covered very well by Buenos Aires, I actually want to say I'm leaning towards giving that bronze and having the party mm. islands of Thailand mm. and Bangkok being silver. I completely agree. I think that's quite an easy choice, to be honest. So, food. It's a massive category. And of course, this is going to come down massively to our personal taste. And if you're listening to this and you don't like the cuisines of these countries, you're going to completely disagree with us. So we need you guys to get in touch, whether that's on Instagram, Travel Talks Podcast, or email us, traveltalkspodcast.gmail.com. Let us know where we went wrong. Is there a country we're completely forgetting from this conversation? But the first country we have to speak about is Italy. Oh, yeah. I mean, straight away, this was always going to be high on our list, wasn't it? <laughs> and in on the world list, that we've had guests on this podcast mm. talk about living in other countries, but then say their favorite restaurant in those countries is an Italian restaurant and it not yeah. being in Italy. So yeah. it's it's a cuisine that spreads across the world. Completely. Um, it's so popular, obviously. You can find it everywhere. And when it's done well, it is amazing. It really is. And I think, obviously, it lends itself to the fact that it's a largely carby cuisine. And obviously, <laughs> that satisfies its comfort food. Everyone loves it. I know it's not perhaps the most delicate cuisine. And we'll come across some which are, are, are more delicate, for sure. But for me, it's a seriously strong contender. Yeah. Um, and obviously, we don't need to spend too much time on this category because it's so subjective. We could put out 100 mm. arguments for each, but you know, it, it will differ from person to person. Um, second option we're putting out there is Japan. Obviously, you yeah. know, host of the games, but recently on this podcast we've had quite a few guests talk about japan as locations and japanese food being their favorite mm. sushi is becoming one of the most popular foods in the world by far isn't it yeah definitely everyone i kind of feel likes japanese food in one way or another you might not perhaps like the fish or the raw fish in sushi but there'll be something for you in some respect so final choice in this very 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 controversial <laughs> subjective category uh, that's going to be usa and like with everything that we cover in terms of the US, it's because it's so vast that it has so much to offer. But I kind of think straight away to the deep south, the barbecue. I mean, there's not a country in the world that doesn't serve burgers. No. Let's be honest, like whether it's in a hotel and not anywhere else, it's just a food type of food that is everywhere. And because mm. of how accessible it is kind of across the globe, I think mm. it has to be included in this you know, best basis for food. Because clearly, if it works that well around the world they're doing something right but my only hesitance really would be the fact that it's not i suppose it's never michelin star quality and if we're going to award or it can be but it's rarely michelin star quality and if we're going to award a gold medal for food in terms of a country i almost feel like it needs to go to a country which does food better than any other country and cares about the presentation the, the delivery of food more than any other country with that argument in mind, I think we've I think we've just basically dictated what the gold, silver, and bronze are. I think bronze US, silver Japan, gold Italy, purely on that argument alone. 
yeah, Japan to me would be very close to being gold. The way they cook stuff, the the the, the care they put into making dishes, I I think is potentially a gold medal winner. It's very close, but I just think Italian food and how kind of accessible mm. it is around the world. Yeah, true. How much is adored by billions, not even millions. Mm. You know, I think it's got to be it's got to be up there, right? It's got to be get yeah. that gold. Yeah, I, I'll I'll let you have that one. Italy are flying. They won our Euros thing and now they're <laughs> rocking up with a golden food. So, so good. Okay, so final category, history and culture. I mean, this is definitely the most vast category that we've come across so far. And us two guys, how are we even going to begin to have this conversation? That's my That's my hesitance going into this. So let's touch the surface, but we have to throw it out to our listeners. Like, is there a country which you think has an amazing history, amazing culture, and is better than the three we, we put forward in this conversation? Let us know on all of our usual channels. But the first one that we're going to put forward is China. Yeah, I mean, we haven't. it's quite surprising that we haven't mentioned China here, like within food mm. or in other things, because, you know, it's a massive country. And I feel like if it is going to fit in any category, this is a very appropriate one because yeah. there are thousands of years of history in China, documented as well, very well documented in their yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. teachings and their writings. Um, and you, in terms of going there for history and culture, you have so much your disposable from like the Forbidden City in Beijing, Great Wall of China, mm. you know, the Terracotta Warriors, all of the yeah. old temples. There is so much there. Yeah, I definitely think in terms of attractions in one country that date back and kind of give you an insight into the way that country has lived, China is definitely up there as one of the most interesting. Like you mentioned the Terracotta Warriors in, in, in Xi'an. China, for me, almost doesn't get the appreciation it deserves, despite the fact it's a massive country. I feel like not as many people have it on their wish list to do. Yeah, and I, I think what's key about China being in this category and also the reason as our next suggestion is that culture is such a big part of their, you know, their modern day culture. Like they look mm. back a lot, you know, there's a lot of influences from past history and past ways of doing things that are really prevalent in modern day culture. Very similar to our second selection of Japan. Yeah. So the current hosts of the games and, and what I love about Japan, anytime it's spoken about on the podcast is the fact that they're almost living in their own little bubble. They're not at all influenced by the Western world in any way. And they do things the way they want to do them. And that's very, very admirable, I'd say. Yeah. I mean, the culture there as well is so specific and you can kind of get the best of both worlds. It's not all about history and ancient culture, you know, talking about the, the nightlife in Tokyo, not necessarily party scene, but things like, you know, the robotics things like the mm, neon yeah. lights, things like the futuristic kind of approach they have in Tokyo. But also in complete comparison to that, you've got the, you know, Shogun Samurai temples in Kyoto yeah. or like the geisha uh, performances with like the, you know, the ancient in instruments, things like that. It kind of get best yeah. of both. And like China, culture is such a huge part of their way of life. I think it's a seriously strong contender. In my mind, I think, well, what country could I go to that's kind of big on history and culture? I would be like, yeah, Japan's up there. For sure. And our final one, the country which almost we have to mention in a conversation about the Olympics because it was the birthplace of the Olympics and that's Greece. For sure, for sure. I mean, it's where it all started Olympics wise. But also like Rome often gets given the title of the kind of the birthplace of Western civilization. Mm. But ancient Greece goes back even further. And you think about the history that's on display in places like Athens. 
it's it goes back such a long time and we're talking you know thousands of years it's an incredible location with so many i feel like artifacts which are completely kept and respected it had to be included but let's just say it is sort of a diplomatic answer as well there's a little bit of politics going on here because they haven't yeah. had a mention yet um <laughs> yeah the birthplace of the olympics is there so that's why we've got it in there there's going to be some that we miss for sure. So let us know. We want you to reach out. Let us know if we've made a big clangor and we've forgotten a really, really obvious choice. So I'm curious, mate. Bronze, silver, gold. I think out of all the categories we've done so far, arguably this is the most subjective. And I'm almost undecided on where to put each country. Yeah, I mean, this is a hard one because they've each got a lot going for them in their own kind of way. Um, mm. I, I think Greece is a safe bronze in here because you're going up against some cultural powerhouses of China and Japan. Yeah, yeah, I, I completely agree. Of all the places that we've spoken about, there aren't too many things that I would arc back to other than the, perhaps the architecture um, of Greece. So China and Japan, two powerhouses of Asia, but also powerhouses of the world. Who takes the top spot for you? I think based on... The length of history, the amount of history, and also almost in reflection to how good they are in the Olympics, I think China takes gold. Yeah, I, I, I can completely agree with you there. Yeah, I think that's settled. China gold, Japan silver, Greece bronze. Okay, so let's throw it back and remind you who won gold in each of their categories. So budget travel, the winner was Vietnam. In luxury travel, the winner was the Maldives. In activity holidays, we gave the win to New Zealand. Beach holidays, it went to Australia. In terms of nightlife, we gave it to the US. In terms of food, Italy walked away with the gold. And like we just spoke about, history and culture goes to China. So that's what we voted. But like we've said throughout this podcast, what do you think? Because clearly there are going to be some difference of opinions here. You know, there's so many countries we haven't talked about. Yeah, we'll put out some posts throughout the week and we want you guys to let us know and we'll arc back to them in the next week's podcast to speak about your comments. So make sure you get some comments in. Email us in if there's not enough words on Instagram and you want to send a little wordy one to us on travelTalkspodcast at gmail.com. We'll make sure to get through those as well. There we go. Another episode wrapped up. I quite like these formats where we take something, you know, yeah. relevant in the world and then do our own quite travel spin on it. Yeah, they perform really well as well. So people seem to enjoy them. And I think by that logic, we'll probably be back next week with just us and we'll think of another thing. We'll put our heads together and try and come up with another idea that's as good as this. Yeah, nice one. So thanks everyone for listening and we'll see you again next week. Hi, this is Bachelor Clues from Game of Roses, of course. And I want to talk about Club Med. Everybody knows Club Med has been the pioneer of the all-inclusive resort since 1950 with almost 70 resorts worldwide, ranging from beachside destinations in the Caribbean and Mexico to exotic locations like the Maldives and Morocco, or even the mountain destinations like Japan and the European Alps. Dine on delicious gourmet cuisine, enjoy more than 20 activities, and make memories with your family. For more information, visit clubmed.us or call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor.